0: How's everybody doing this morning? Hey, um, first service hadn't even had their coffee and they were louder than that, guys. Come on. How's everybody doing this morning? Hey, well, it is great to be able to worship with you in the house of the Lord. Keith, Sherry, Mark, Caleb, thank you for entering us into the presence of God this morning. Let's give them a hand. Guys, we are a worshiping church. We are also one church that meets in multiple locations, so for you to choose today to come out and hang out with us, uh, we we joke around, we're the country cousins, but I mean, who doesn't like a little bit of country in their life, right? Um, My name is Ben White, and if I haven't had the chance to meet you, we're going to talk after service. So, that's my commitment to you, uh, unless you choose to avoid me after this message, in which case, you know, I'll hunt you down anyway. So... Well, hey, um, if you haven't been with us or, or you've been watching online, we are in week three of our Sikh series from two through four. Week one, we talked about how God wants us to use our time, our talent, and our treasure to impact the world for the kingdom of God. Week two, we talked about how everything we have is from God. Everything we have. And week three, we're talking about what? We can do for this. So our overarching theme has been when we re- realize that everything we have comes from God, we will develop biblical convictions on what to do with it. And, and, and this week, we're really honing in on the fact that everyone can participate in giving um, if you're like me, uh, we're in week three of a five-week series talking about money, and you're probably wishing that it was a one-week series talking about money, uh, and, and so am I, you know, but we're, we're trudging through, and I'm asking that you hang tight with me for the next two weeks, and then we'll be in our Advent series, but there's a lot of, of really neat things that we can get from Scripture about how we handle the resources that God's been, that God's given us given to us. Goodness. <clears throat> it's the third cup of coffee I had today. I'm talking too fast. But but one of the things, that the scripture we're going to look at is 2 Corinthians 8. And, and to set this up, Paul, uh, how many of you have ever heard of Saul, the persecutor of the church, right? So Saul has become Paul, and Paul has been sent out and planted all these churches. And now he's on this this church run where he's visiting all of his churches and he's asking specifically for money out of surplus to impact the church in Jerusalem to help it in a time of need. And so he writes this to the church of Corinth. He says, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that by his poverty, you might become rich. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also desire to do it still. So now, finish doing it, your work as well, so that the readiness in desiring your generous gift may be matched by completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply yours so that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. I replaced some of the it's in there. You probably noticed there were a couple different words in my sermon or in my scripture than on the screen. But, But what Paul is challenging is, hey, if your work is genuine and if your love is genuine, there is going to be this spirit of generosity that overflows from that work. And it's hard to talk about. Right, because churches, small churches, big churches, they all struggle with this one thing: money, people, resources, gifts. Right, and and what's cool about this, though, is that churches—it's—it's very uncommon, but it was super common back then—that churches actually get to bless one another out of the abundance and overflow of what they had. And so, what Paul is saying here is, "Say, hey, church in Corinth, I know." you have X amount of dollars left over at the end of the year. I know you have this surplus. I also know that the fact is that you could spend your money on a ship, you could spend your money on a business, you could spend your money on the newest cart and horse buggy type thing, the car of the century, right? But I'm asking you to consider your brothers and sisters in Jerusalem as they're in need and are lacking right now. And you see, Paul understood that our abundance is present in our lives to supply for the needs of those around us. And the church of Corinth was being asked to give out of their abundance for the need of the church in Jerusalem. Check this out. They're not asking, Paul's not asking, hey, I know you have no money, but I want you to give what money you have to the church in Jerusalem because the church in Jerusalem is more important than your church, which would be really terrible and we probably wouldn't hear any more from Paul. What Paul is saying is, Hey, I know you have this. And I know that this church really needs this. And so I'm asking that you shift your gaze off of all of the wants that you want, the extra stuff, the, and, and live a little below your means so that out of your abundance, you can give back to the church in Jerusalem. So at the proper time, the church in Jerusalem can give back to you. And it's, it's like when you go from one child to two children. And you have to teach them how to share. Um, in my case, I, I'm one of six, four boys, two girls. We didn't necessarily share as much as we stole and cheated and lied to get, get what we wanted from mom and dad. Um, but my, my little sister, she's the baby of the family. She had some health conditions at first. And my, my parents babied the heck out of her. They, they spoiled her completely rotten. And they would always get her these six packs of Hershey's chocolate bars, not the small ones, but the big full-size candy bars, and the eight packs of the Cosmic Brownies. And you say, man, that's really specific. Are you sure? Oh, I'm sure there were eight packs of Cosmic Brownies, and there were six chocolate bars in that package. And my sister, we would either have to bribe her, steal from her, or, or offer to do something for her in order for her to even consider sharing one of her chocolate bars. What one person needs with eight full-size chocolate bars or eight full-size cosmic brownies, beyond me, right? But my mom and my dad, more so my mom, would also hide all of her stuff. Right? So she, my mom, we would raid her room. She hated it. We all knew she hated it. But we also, like, hey, why don't we get chocolate bars and cosmic brownies? Probably because we weren't very good, right? But it's this act of, hey, my sister has a surplus. And if I'm in relationship with my sister, why wouldn't she share? Right? And it's a silly example, but we all can think of one thing that we have in surplus right now. Time, talent, treasure, right? And, and cosmic brownies and chocolate bars, it's really easy for me to relate because me and my family, well, my side of the family, my wife doesn't have a sweet tooth, but, but we have a crazy big sweet tooth, right? And so when we would ask for something, and, and this is where it kind of gets kind of more spiritual and more deep, but, but when we ask for something, we're asking unknowingly or knowingly, hey, how much... Is the love you have for me worth? Is it worth a chocolate bar? Is it worth a cosmic brownie? Most of the time, it was not worth either of those things. But but here's what's cool too, is that Paul is telling us that generosity is not only an act of love, but it is a sign of our righteousness. And we cannot gauge somebody's righteousness by trying to look at their heart. You can only... Tell someone's righteousness by the way they live. And so here's, here's what I mean by that is we've been talking about all these spiritual principles. We, we talked about who Jesus was for the past few months. And, and, and I'm asking what sticks. Because I can't look at your heart. I'm not an x-ray guy. I don't have x-ray vision. I'm, I'm not Jesus. I can't see into your heart. I can't see into your mind. But what I can do is look at your actions. And look at where your time, talent, and treasure goes. And it's, it's really fun. I, I like to people watch. I don't know if you like to be watched, but um, most people don't like to be watched. When they figure out they're being watched, they get all weird about it. But I like to people watch. And it's really fun because as you watch people, especially over an extended period of time, you get to know that person sometimes better than they know themselves. And so me and my wife will people watch. She likes to watch people. She doesn't like to be the center of attention though. So if she figure out somebody's watching her, she's like, oh, better act perfect, right? But you can tell the way that me and Hannah live our lives by watching us, who we love, who we serve, and who we're chasing after, right? Whether it's, hey, we really like this TV show and we're chasing after this TV show. We want everything a part of this TV show, right? Or like, so... For instance, Matthew Perry, one of the Friends characters in the show Friends, died a couple weeks ago, and it rocked my wife's world in a mighty way, right? It was all she could think about, talk about, and, and really sometimes even pray about for, the, for two weeks, right? And so that's, that's kind of where her life was. was it, it was wrapped up in this show of, of, man, I really loved this person. And my sister really loved chocolate bars and cosmic brownies. And so did we. But we can only give from what we have. Not what we wish we have. You see, my sister would tell us, man, if I had more, then you could have some. And I'm thinking, how many more candy bars do you need before you're it's enough? How many cosmic brownies do you need Two boxes of eight, three boxes of eight, that's 24 cosmic brownies. Is that enough? Right. But but Scripture is pretty clear on this, this righteousness being tied with generosity and, and, and how we're supposed to live it. Psalm 37 is a psalm that I've been living out of um, a lot this week. And, and as I was reading and praying, uh, there were a few, e- 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 wow, excerpts. Excerpts? I think that's the right word that I'd like to share with you. Psalm 37, 16 through 17 says, Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. And Psalm 37, 25 through 26 says, I have been young and am now old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously. And his children become a blessing. You see, by our, righteousness, our, genero- our, our, by our generosity, our righteousness is shown. Right? And, and what's cool about it is righteousness works both ways. And it's this relationship with God that we have that God says, hey, I'm going to uphold you whether you can see the upholding provision that I have for you or not. And then it says, hey, if I'm living a life where God's got me, this is how I'm choosing to spend my time, my talent, and my treasure. It means Keith can have a chocolate bar. It means Hannah can have a chocolate bar. It means Kyle can have a cosmic brownie, right? Like, hey, I wanted a cosmic brownie. You'll get one too, right? Because the Lord upholds us, which means it's no longer me telling my time, my talent, and my treasure what to do. It's the Lord saying, hey, this is how I think you should better use your time. This is how I think you should better use your gifts and abilities. This is how I I think you should better use your your money. And my dad, I I talked about him a lot last week, and this spirit of generosity, this generational generosity, my dad was laid off four times thus far in my life. I never died of hunger, right? Otherwise, I'd be a hologram preaching to you today. That would be kind of cool technology wise, but I've never died of hunger. We always had a roof over our head. I always had clean underwear and and clean socks. I always had what I needed. And what was interesting about my dad and what I hope to teach my son is that enough is enough. And what we do with our surplus is what matters. Right, so we budget and we, we care, but my dad continually had us turn our eyes outward. Right, hey, this person needs two or three candy bars right now, whereas you, you maybe need half, and it's a hard reality to settle in because I want all six candy bars, and I want to hold it like this. Everybody make a fist with me. Okay, now use your other hand and try to take something out of your fist. It doesn't work, right? Unless you open your hand. When we hold on to things like this, we refuse the blessings that God is trying to give us, and we are refusing to bless other people with what we have. Amen, church? And so it's, it's this tension that we have to manage and get to manage of, hey, how I manage my resources and my surplus, because the church of Corinth could have done anything. Scripture's not clear on how much money they had, but it was enough to help out somebody in need. And it was enough to meet their needs. They could have done anything with it, right? Just like when me and Hannah have surplus, I... I like to spend money on people. I'm always willing to buy people dinner and, and lunch and stuff. And some of you are like, man, you've never invited me to dinner. All right? Well, I'm getting there. All right. But Hannah's like, well, if we could just cook in and make them a meal. And like, that's her way of living generously and blessing other people is, hey, we, we've got resources in abundance, whether it's food, time, whatever. Let's use that Invite people over or go out with them and make sure that they feel blessed and seen and heard and loved, right? And I'm going to brag on us because I think this is something we do really well as a, a, a couple and as a family, but it's also something we do really well as a church, is we take our time and we take our talent and we take our treasure and we spend it on other people that God's calling us to do life with together. Right? and it's worth it. There has never been a lunch or a dinner or a coffee or anybody that we've had over at our house or gone over to their house that we've said, man, I really don't want to hang out with that person ever again. Right? Because once you get to start doing life, that relationship begins to grow. Right? It is hard to share and to give and to want to give to something you don't have relationship with. Amen? And we want to be people of our word. Right? This is something else that scripture shows us. So that to the best of our ability, we must follow through with what we commit to do. Whether it's time or talent or our treasure. Right? So Paul says... He says, so now finish doing it as well so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has and not according to what he does not have. You see, Paul says, I don't care what you don't have. I don't care what you don't have. And I want you to hear that because he says, hey, if you have five apples, I can't expect you to give 10 apples. If you only have half a candy bar, I can't expect a full one. It's not about how much we have, it is about whether our heart posture and our eagerness is there and willing to do something with the surplus of what we have, all right? Because my wife will tell you, hey, she tells me this all the time, you don't need a full candy bar. I say, you're crazy. I always need a full candy bar, all right? I probably don't need the second cup of ice cream. Like I could give that away to somebody, but but this is what our surplus is, and I'm using food like because this is how I think, and this is how it was revealed to me: is, is if if we have enough in abundance, and I know that somebody else is struggling, it makes sense to have them over for dinner, and not in a shameful way, not in a shameful way. Hey, like. Hey, I know you don't have anything to eat tonight. Why don't you come over to our house? It's never that, and I could care less. uh, I could care more if you have nothing to eat, but if if you don't have anything to eat, like, it's so much more of hey, I just want to do life with you, and this is part of it. Because there have been people in our lives that have said, hey, Hannah and Ben, I know you have nothing to eat tonight. Why don't you come over and hang out with us? And it's that spirit of relationship because, because what our money is tied to is where we will spend our relationship time. If my money is tied to a motorcycle, if you don't have a motorcycle, you're probably not in my circle of friendship. It's just the reality. C.S. Lewis uh, is one of my, my favorite theologians of all time i i typically don't quote theology or theologians to you a lot i do quote theology Um, but he he has this quote in mere christianity and if you've never read mere christianity it's basically going back to the principles of what christianity is biblical christianity and he's he's getting to this point and and he says this he says i do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc. is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures excludes them. Here's what C.S. Lewis is not saying. If you cannot give to the church because you want food on your table every night, that's not a bad thing. Saying, I, C.S. Lewis is saying, hey, all the, all the extra stuff that we do, is there stuff that we're, we're doing where we're buying boats when we could be helping out our neighbor? And maybe a boat helps out your neighbor because they like to fish, but you know... Like, are we buying things and not turning our eyes towards our neighbor? And saying, hey, this is my surplus. Nobody can tell me what to do with it. I'm going to do what I want. I had a, a fun talk with, with two of our elders this past week about surrendered living uh, and this principle of suffering. And, and sometimes the, the, spirit of, the spirit of generosity and, and suffering go hand in hand. Because when I, when I submit to the rule and authority of God, it's no longer me directing where my money goes. I can no longer justify knowing that my neighbor is in need, spending $100, $200, $300 to do something else, something fun. All I can think about is going go-karting or something like that. Like I, I, there are better ways, now that my eyes are open, to use the surplus that I have to benefit the people around me. And that sucks. Because I want cool stuff too. Right? I, I want a new car. And I want a, a new house. And I want this. Like there are things that I want that because of my love for other people and my love for Christ hamper me from actually loving people well. And it's a tough truth and it's a tough reality but, but when, when we put money in front of people and we say, hey, I'm only going to see you through the lens of my money and if you're not worth my time, you're probably not getting my money either. Or are we choosing to see God and then see people and then see money? All right? because God's going to tell you, hey, that person sitting right next to you is a beloved son or daughter. And I love them a heck of a whole lot. And I want you to love them too. And there's no way around that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, um, I'm going to ask that we get out mini- give out ministry packets. Is Tina? Is she here? Tina's not here. All right, I'm going to keep talking then. Um, we've got ministry packets and envelopes that we're going we're gonna to go through. And this is part of what we do as a church when we, when we get to our Sikh, Um The envelope should be in a little brown box there at the bottom, um, as well as the ministry package should be on the table. One of the things we do as a church is six months before the new year starts, we sit down as a staff team and we surrender everything we have to Jesus. And we say, Hey, Jesus, you take it all. We're not in control of our ministry plan, we're not in control of our budget. You take it all. And then we embrace and engage, and Jesus says, hey, I want you to pick some of this stuff back up, pick it back up, and if I want you to leave this down, you got to be okay with leaving it down, even if it's something you really want, and then we keep it in front of us. And this is part of the ministry packet that we're handing out, is, is I want you guys to see what we've committed to do as a church in 2024, but I also want to take time and celebrate everything that we've been able to accomplish in 2023. So if you get your packets, I want you to turn to page two. And this is our ministry report, 2023 celebrations. And there's, I'm going to cover some of the stuff that's on here, but I'm going to cover a lot that's not. Because I believe that some of the best stuff that we do as a church goes unnoticed and unprinted. One of the cool things that we got to do in early April, early March, was we got to launch Believe Church with Pastor Jay and Rhonda Sloan out in Spring Hill. Yeah, and it, it stunk a little bit. It stung, right? Because we had, to, we had to send out some people and release some people to do the work of the ministry. And, and that's tough because we want to hold people like this and say, no, you can't leave. You're committed to Edgerton. I don't want you to go. And as a pastor and as a shepherd, it's very hard to, to let other people take care of your flock sometimes. But we did it. We've also been able to launch Pastor Pete into new city neighborhoods, and he's been taking neighborhood by neighborhood by neighborhood for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. If that doesn't get you excited, I'm going to keep ramping it up here. All right. We were able to release and send out Pastor Casey to Florida, probably one of the best places to go this time of year because it's warm and nice, and it's through hurricane season, so he's safe. But we were able to send him out so that he could be a blessing to his family in Florida amongst everything else that we've been able to do as a church. The second thing I want to draw your attention to is page 11. In the spirit of being a sending church, we're also a receiving church, right? Because it's, it's hands up like this, not hands, hands closed, arms folded, right? It's a heart posture. Hey, God, we're going to go and you're going to give. And in the spirit of going and launching, we are launching New City Olathe on January 6th. And you say, January 6th, that is a Saturday. You're correct. So here's what I'm telling you. If you like college football you're still going to be coming to New City Edgerton every Sunday morning or wherever you're going. If you like NFL football and Chick-fil-A, you're probably going to Olathe on Saturday nights, right? It's just the, the, the cost-benefit there, right? And if you don't like football, you're going to be at church 24-7 on the weekend. They don't offer Chick-fil-A. This is an option afterwards. Yeah, they... they yeah. They don't serve Chick-fil-A, but you can go get it afterwards because it's open, right? Yeah. I have to put the asterisks there. Hey, but, but here's what we're looking to do as a church is we are looking to send four individuals or two families to go and be a part of our New City Olathe launch, either either as full-time members of New City Olathe or as part of a 12-month missionary to that campus. Right, And that's not only because we want to be able to support and love on Jonathan Bissick and his wife, Jen, but it's because of the culture that we're building as a church and have established as a church, is we are a sending body. And you look around the room and you say, Pastor, you are absolutely out of your mind because you have 0% people here, right? I get it. But this is part of what being a faithful shepherd looks like, is holding... My hands open and saying God I can't cause Edgerton to grow and Jonathan can't cause Olathe to grow but it's saying you've called me and you've planted me and you've given me a team and you said hey go take ground for the kingdom and I'll grow you and so that's what I'm doing faithfully and that's what Jonathan Bissick is doing faithfully so we're looking for two families or four individuals pray about it don't come talk to me because I'm going to try to get you to stay talk to Daniel or Alicia Smith they would love to have you as part of their team. And the last thing we're doing, I want, you to, I want you to go look at page 12, and you'll see this whopping big number of $71,669. This is everything that it takes monetarily to fund our ministry in 2024. It's a big number. I know it. it it's gets bigger every year it seems even when we surrender a lot of stuff to Jesus and he doesn't tell us to pick it up because he's asking us to do new things. But what's cool about it is is that this money is totally separate from our facilities budget. Which means this money is untouchable except for doing what God has called us to do in 2024 as a church. Which is why the ministry packets in your hand are so importantly valuable because I can't as a pastor go off in good conscience and spend money on stuff that I know I didn't sign up to do. And what's cool about that is is you can check me on it and say, "Hey pastor, you're not supposed to be spending money on that because that money is going here." And I'm not saying I would, I'm trying to be a faithful steward, right? But like this is that 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 Purpose of keeping it in front of us is so that we can be faithful stewards of our time, talent, and treasure for the kingdom of God. And so, here's what we're going to do: is has everybody got these cards? Everybody has one. If you didn't, they were in an envelope uh, like this. If you didn't get an envelope, raise your hand, and we'll get you an envelope too. Um, I made this joke first service. I'll try it again second service and see if y'all find it's funny. Uh, But I knew where everybody was gonna sit today so I decided to fill these out for you. Um, So if you're surprised by any of the dollar amounts, we can talk about it later. You guys were a little more gracious than first service. I I promise I am funny. I, I feel like I shouldn't have to justify myself saying that but I am funny to at least one person. My son thinks I'm hilarious. So, what this is, is our Seek 2024 commitment card. So the first thing you fill out is your name, and you say, Why do you need to know my name? We don't. We just like to know that you give. And I don't even see who gives. And so it's our, our financial person because they like to be able to bless and and send out and, and just say thank you. And then your one-time seek offering goes in that next blank. And that will, this will be turned in next week on November 19th. So the, the one-time seek offering, guys, is, it's what your surplus is. I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money or how you should spend your money. But I'm asking that you prayerfully consider, if you have a surplus, what is God asking me to do with it? Because this is a huge need for the church, but it also in turn is a huge blessing for the community. Amen. And then it says, in 2024, I intend on giving blank percent of my income in tithes and offerings to New City Church. We're going to talk more about tithing next week. Uh, it is a spiritual principle along with generosity and suffering. But, but what does it look like to actually give back to the body of Christ and to the, the, the temple of God, right? Right? And so we, we joked around as a staff uh, about whether, in order to illustrate this better, we should turn the AC down to 54 and kind of do a freeze-out and say, hey, if, if we got more money, we could keep the heat on. But um, we're not going to do that. All right? right. Sure? I'm positive. Are you sure? I'm positive. I do it right now. Yeah, we could. Steve has the power. But what we're going to do is what i'm asking you to do is is just consider hey i make x amount of dollars a week every 2 weeks every month what would it look like if i fit god in my budget at the beginning of the year and say hey god i understand that everything i have is yours here's the little i can give back right he doesn't need it i guarantee you he doesn't need it he has everything He's got streets of gold up in heaven, which means he doesn't need our dollars and cents down here on earth. But he wants it. Right? Because where our treasure is, our heart will be there also. Amen. And so that, that's what we're going to do. And so our, our seek offering will be next week on November 19th. And, and what I'm asking for you to do is go and wrestle again. And it's, it's even on card. Mark 6, 38. Jesus asked his disciples, how much do you have? Go and see. They said five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, okay, great. Watch what I'm going to do with it. Don't bring your five loaves and two fish to me and say, Ben, what is Jesus telling me to do with my five loaves and two fish? That is one of the most beautiful things about our relationship right now with Jesus is that you do not need me to tell you how God is telling you to spend your time or your talent or your treasure because you are a direct heir to God and a son and daughter. Amen? And if you haven't ever believed in Jesus Christ, me or Steve or Caleb, man, we'd love to talk to you after service. In simplest form, it's recognizing that Jesus came as a man that he died, that he was buried for three days, and that he rose again by the power of God. And to become a believer, we must confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God rose him from the dead. It's not a coercion thing because this goes back to judging the hearts is I can't test your heart and whether you believe Jesus actually raised from the dead. You have to believe that for yourself. But one of the unique things here is too is that you can't ride your way to heaven on somebody else's faith. It has to be your own. So as we end today, I want to ask you two questions: Is do you believe that you have something that you can give back to the Father? Do you believe that that if you looked, you have a surplus of time or a surplus of gifts or a surplus of money that you could give back to the Father? And then I want to know how are you using your time, your talent, and your treasure for the kingdom of God? Not for the kingdom of New City Church here at Edgerton. Not for New City Church as a whole. But I want to know how are you using your time to go love your neighbor? How are you using your time to see the needs around you and to do something about them? We've got a video um, that we're going to show you, a bumper video about our, uh, just a highlight of our Sikh celebrations this past year. It's about a minute and a half and the worship team's going to lead us in one song. Um, But I want to pray for us before before we dive more into that. Father, thank you for a good day. Because uh, I mean, This is the day the Lord has made and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it whether it's 30 degrees or 60 degrees or 80 degrees or negative 17 degrees. We're going to rejoice. Father, I pray that as we continue to wrestle through the, the biblical theology that everything I have comes from you. God, that we will accept that truth and develop convictions on what to do with all we have because like you said three weeks ago it's not enough for us to just use your time or your gifts and abilities or your treasure God it, it has to be the only way that we can receive the well done and good and faithful servant is to use your time and your treasure and your gifts and abilities your talent for the kingdom of God that you've given us Everybody has time, God, and everybody has talents and gifts, and everybody has money. So, Father, I ask and I pray that you would begin to just reveal what we have, what our surpluses and our gifts and abilities, our time, our money, and will we not be people that hold on to it with a closed fist so that we can't receive more and that we can't give any away? But will we humble ourselves and say, God, it's all yours anyway, so you can take it whether my fist is closed or not. It just means I'll have nothing left to hold on to. Father, we love you, and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen.